0: You are listening to The Message by Antioch Centre for the Nations. For more information, please visit www.antiochcenterforthenations.org. Thank you.
1: Hello everyone. I missed you guys. Yeah, it has been two weeks. I got married like two weeks ago with Lisha. <laughs> <I was wondering. laughs> so yeah we were away for two weeks i mean for for a week we got married and two days later we flew to india and there's a lot i want to share before that i, I think you should come and share a little bit yeah
0: About the trip, yeah. So, um, actually, the trip was kind of uh, personally for me. It, it felt like uh, kind of sucky, actually, because um, <laughs> because everyone liked Joe because he's 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 really a nice guy. He smiles a lot, and you know, he's really nice. And I was. It, and he shared his testimony and people were like wow such a great testimony brother very good very good and then and then did it they don't care about me and, and i mean at least that's what i think <laughs> it felt like they didn't um, care about what i had to say so i, I was very upset actually for a few days he preached on Sunday and he was telling me, Wow, this, this is such a new experience. It's like Stephen, you know, I travel for uh, eight hours and I get to preach a message and come back. It's like, it feels so good. And I was like, Uh huh, okay. Yeah, that, that, that's good. Yeah, that's great. And we were on the back from Pune and in the morning, actually, on Sunday, he preached, and and people were moved, and people were wow, so good. And I and I went up, and he he asked me if I wanted to share. So I was like, okay. So I went up, and, and I held the mic. I mean, there was no mic. I held. I stand. I stood in front, and I was kind of nervous. So I was like, uh-huh. God is good. Uh, God loves. Everybody and God is pleased with everyone, and I was like, okay. And then I went back, and then I was like, shucks, I should have shared something. Then he shared something, he shared his testimony, he shared his message, and people loved it. And I was like, you know what, it's okay, God, I will seize the next opportunity I have. So we went to Pune, and then Myra was like, You know, will we have some time until the guests arrive and for, for them to hear Joe's message again. So, you know, Alicia, why, why don't you share your testimony? And I was like, Oh, great. Now God is going to move and it's going to be wonderful. So I stood up and I shared my testimony, and everybody was like, <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's okay. And and the best part was, I needed to go to the toilet, so I went to the toilet, and I came out, and he was holding a guitar, and I was like, why? Why are you holding a guitar? And he was like, no, no, they want me to worship lead. And I was like, oh, okay, great. So again, then um, he shared his testimony, I shared mine, and they loved, of course, they loved his part, and then they were all, after the service, they went to him, and they were like, wow, great message, great testimony, and I was like, just standing there beside him, like, "Mm, okay, and then, uh, yeah, so that was pretty much the trip, I was kind of feeling very bad about myself, thought, uh, God doesn't like me, and um, (laughs) But no, of course it's a lie. God loves me; He will want to use me. And uh, if anyone is feeling like that today, I just want to encourage you and say that no, God God loves you, and God will use you. And uh, <laughs> okay, thank you. Have fun.
1: Yeah, to a point, she locked me in the toilet and said that I don't want you to share. I want to go and share. <laughs> it was really funny. But people were touched by her testimony. The next day, you know, we went from houses to houses. So, basically, why we ended up in India, I think the reason why we got married was because of India. I mean, we both had this heart for this country, for India, and 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 somehow at that, at that time we felt that you know like maybe God saw both of us with like a light bulb of the flag of india on our heads and he decided okay let's try to match make them so we fell in love and 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 we we wanted to go to india that was our focus we got married because we wanted to be missionaries in india so as we were planning the trip um we we were thinking where should we go on our honeymoon and you know, I'm kind of a beach person. Beach as in B E A C H. It, it, it kind of raised a few eyebrows in India, and I said, I love beach, <laughs> and I want to go to beaches. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah. So. Yeah, so we we made our so we were thinking. So my I think I'll share more later. So some way or another, um, we went to India, and I'll, I'll share more in detail in the message later. But it was really beautiful because Stephen always says that if you have this heart for this country or the nation, you know, make make few trips before feel the land, know the culture, and and I'm really glad we did because we went to India. <laughs> And hell, I didn't know what they were talking, <laughs> what they were thinking. <laughs> the only thing I knew what to speak was, May Hindi neighbor sakta hai." That means, I don't know how to speak Hindi. <laughs> so they would come to me and they would like, May Hindi Nei Bo hai." So it was, it was really cool. And we, we took the bus. It was really a good experience. We took the public bus. And I did not know that you know, there were like ladies' seat and men's seat, and people had to sit separately. <laughs> so I ended up sitting on the ladies' seat beside my wife, and there was this guy who came to me and kept doing the and I was like, "What's up, man?" And you know, he was trying. And people from the bus were really speaking, and they were like talking to me, and I, I really couldn't understand. <laughs> I said, "May Hindi neighbor bol <laughs> and, and and then I saw a lady sign and said, like, "Oh, it's a lady's seat. I can't sit here yeah and then we took the local train too and and in <laughs> you know in the Indians, we need to run and get on board of trains so we were so we were rushing for this train, and we ran, and also the 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 seats were pretty empty, and we were really happy because we were told that the trains would be crowded at that time, and we were so happy, so we sat down relaxing and then Everybody looked at us. And I was like, oh God, what did I do wrong again? <laughs> and again, they were staying, saying something to me, saying, and again, may Hindi neighbours and they didn't, and then I realized they showed to like a sign and it was like the handicapped compartment. Of the train. <laughs> and I had to get down and we have to, and I had to get done and we almost got into the ladies' compartment of the train. <laughs> so it was really it was really a good experience. We got a share on Sunday. Um it, it was really a very good experience for me because we had a service at 10:30 in the morning. And it ended at about 12:30, and we had like 30 minutes break. And we had to drive five hours to do a meeting at another place. And I was really nervous, to be honest. I mean, that morning, I had diarrhea. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like when I was preparing for the message, God spoke to me. (laughs) I went to the toilet like four times. (laughs) I was really nervous. I put on my shoe. (laughs) I wanted to leave the hotel. And I told my wife, "Honey, I need to shit." <laughs> and I, I couldn't shit. <laughs> oh God! And while they were worshiping, I felt like peeing. <laughs> I was like, "Say so God in your name." <laughs> Control my bowels, and it was fine. <laughs> So yeah, we had great we had a lot of like food. We we ate Vada Power I think Lisha loved it and it was really nice and yeah. It was good and we gotta preach and share our testimony on that day and so many people were encouraged. I, I felt like we 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 lit their faith alive again. And when, when we shared, you know, a lot of them were lining up and sharing with me their testimony about how God touched them and I think that was great and then the next day and two days later we went to the slums we prayed for people in the houses and they got touched they they wanted to do more for christ and to me i really felt bad because you know i got a share but i didn't get a follow-up you know we don't get a follow-up so it was good and we went houses to houses sharing our testimony, praying for people about 6-7 hours and it was really tiring yeah so that's pretty much about it ok I'm going to share and this was the message I shared in India and God spoke to me and I just want to share it again with you guys about 2 weeks ago I got married and because we 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 had our marriage. We invited, I mean, not we invited. I think our parents invited a lot of people. I mean, in my own marriage, I, I felt like it was not my marriage because there's so many people whom we didn't know, and we have to fake a smile. Hi hi, and because of that, because of the invitation, there were so many people who were part of our marriage, which is supposedly the beginning of our journey as as a couple. And because they were invited, they got to share that happiness with us. See, the thing about this is this. We are all... You know, the Bible says God has called us from darkness into His marvelous light. Which means we were part of the world. Because God called us, we are now part of this kingdom. With a call? With a purpose. And... Everybody gets called by God. Everybody has a purpose with God. And when I studied this, you know, God showed me an analogy. Again, I just got married two weeks ago. Now, three years ago, three years ago, I saw Lisha in church and we, we did not even talk. Like really I I'm, I'm really an introvert I don't really like talking to people I mean now it's much better but last time I was I was really shy so I just look at her smile and then turn away and walk away and over time we became like acquaintance where I would say hi and she would say hi how are you she would say fine and she would ask me how are you and I would say fine and, and there'll be it that's the conversation that we would have now a few more months later we became friends and our conversations were a bit more lengthy we would share problems a little bit we would we would share the faith we would pray for each other we would say that we would pray for each other and and yeah and it was it was good until then and after which we started dating and after we dated we had a lot more interaction. I mean she was like half my life, the first I mean the first person I call every day and the last person I talk to every day and share a lot more. And now we are married. Like, I can't escape her anymore. <laughs> everywhere I turn, I see Lisha at home, <laughs> everywhere. And if you realize the intimacy between us over different relationships that we had became more intimate and more deeper as it progressed on. Now, I believe it is the same with Jesus and God. Because this is not a religion. This is a relationship with a God who is so true. And, and like a relationship, we, our intimacy is dependent, dependent on how close we are with God. The more closer we are, the more we know God, so I want to share my my title today about being called, and there are different stages that we can we can see. And I want to share about four points today about being called. I'm going to preach from um, Luke chapter five, where Jesus calls his first disciples. I'm just going to read it out. Now it now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we have worked all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat For them to come and help them and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink when Simon Peter saw that he fell down at Jesus feet saying go away from me Lord for I'm a sinful man for amazement and amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken and so also were James and John sons of Zebedee who were partners of Simon. And Jesus said to them, Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. I just want to pray before I preach. God, I just want to thank you for this time and opportunity to share your word. God, I pray that you would take over and Holy Spirit guide me to speak the right words as I know I can stumble in my speech. So God, I pray that you would speak in, in how... in in the way that you want it to be delivered. I love you and I thank you. Amen. Now the first point I want to share tonight is being called to believe. Now we all know this chapter. We all know this chapter and this was the first encounter where the disciples had with Jesus personally. Jesus getting into their boat and Jesus, because Jesus was allowed into their boat, they, they encountered such a great miracle. Now I want you to understand what was happening before that. They were fishing and they couldn't get fishes. Now, they, this was their business, now this was their jobs, this was, their, this was what which gave rice wool to the family. But, and they could not catch any fish because they allowed Jesus into the boat, something happened. Now, this is always the first point of contact we have with Christ, the beginning of the journey of this relationship. A, a lot of you all know me, and a lot of you all know what I went through before, but you know, I want to share, because this is like a good, good way to share my testimony to people. See, I was raised in a Hindu family. My mother and my grandmother. My grandmother was one who believed in all gods, And one day my mother was sick and she was admitted into the hospital. And one of the nurses, who was a Christian nurse, she prayed for my mother. And somehow my mother got saved. She got healed and and she believed in Jesus. So as a result, when I was young, my my mom dragged me to church. And I, I didn't find it cool in the beginning. I thought it was really boring. So growing up, after a few years, my family went through a financial crisis where my dad was retrenched from his job. At, at that time, my father was the only one working at home. And because of that, my parents' marriage was really on the verge of breaking down. This happened for years, every day. They would, they would argue and they would fight and my dad would get drunk. And he, would, he would run around to commit suicide. And he would hit my mother and my mother would hit him back and i had two elder brothers and they were old enough and they were hardly at home and at that time my sister she was like a baby she was like two or three years old and if i left there was like nobody to take care of her so because of that i would stay and i would look after her happened so many times for years and finally when when things were starting to get better at home it was too late because I, I did not find peace at home anymore. and I did not find my identity or love at home for that fact. And I started mixing with my friends more. And at that point, my friends became like my family because they accepted me. That's what I felt at that time. But apparently, these people are not of a good company. They were from gangs. So at the age of 13, I started mixing with them. But my mother was really smart. She, she wanted me to go to church. So she, she we and my mom, we had this deal. And if I go to church every week, she would give me an extra pocket allowance of $50. So when I was 13 years old, $50 is a big money. But I was even smarter. I went to church and during in my, in my previous church, when I went, they, they would give like a, a pamphlet, like, like a newsletter, which would explain the happenings of the church. So I would take that letter, and all I knew was John chapter 3, verse 16, from my Sunday school. So I would like, come up with a little mini sermon, because my mother would ask me, what did pastor preach today? And I would just smoke it through, give her the letter, and take the $50. So my involvement with my friends became a bit more deeper, and I started joining their gang when I was about 14 years old. I started doing drugs, I started trafficking drugs taking drugs and started smoking, drinking, and getting really involved, decided to drop out of school and started selling illegal cigarettes. And that was my life for many years. And during that time, we were involved in a lot of gang fights, robberies. So when I was 17 years old, one day, the law caught up with me. And the police officers showed up at my doorstep and they arrested me. And I was thrown into prison for about three years. And the moment I entered prison, I thought my life was really over because I was really pretending to be tough, but inside I was like scattered and broken. And and one day, one day I was in this empty cell, and not knowing what I'm gonna do. There was this officer who came and he, interviewed me he said and he said what do you celebrate they would ask your name your race your religion and they asked me what do you celebrate and I said Christmas and he said oh you're Christian then I said I think so he said okay he went back now he went back and then he came back and he asked me do you want a bible at that point I looked around my cell and my cell was empty totally empty and I was like, well, that that, 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 that could kill a lot of time. So I said, yeah, I would like a Bible. So he went back and he came back with a Bible. And you see, the thing about prison, Singapore prison is they don't give you pillows to sleep on. You have to sleep on the floor with two blankets. And and this Bible, this is Stephen's Bible. It's really cool and slim. The Bible they gave me was as big. Do you remember the old Cambridge Dictionary? Yeah, it's around that size. (laughs) I was so happy because I could use that as a pillow to sleep. <laughs> so I took the I took the Bible and I wrapped it around the blanket and I used that to sleep every day. And one day, you know, I was really bored. Like I was, there was nothing to do, just sitting down and just waiting for time to pass. I was really bored, and I took the Bible and I started reading. When I was in in Sunday school, I I, I remember the story of Moses clearly because it was really cool how he parted the Red Sea and everything. So I started reading that, and and I started remembering all the stories. And somehow or other, over time, the more I read the Bible, the more I felt peaceful. So one day, I signed up for a Christian counseling session in, in prison. So what would happen is people from outside, they would come into prison, and they would conduct services for the inmates there. So we went there, and they were preaching about the love of God, love of Jesus, and blah blah blah. And one day they asked, "Who you want? To, who over here wants to accept Jesus into their life?" And I don't know why I raised up my hand. I said, "Me." And then they prayed for me, and they said, "Yeah, now Jesus is in your life." Now that night I went back, went back to myself, feeling really bitter and angry with God. I remember I asked him, I said, you love me so much, I'm in so much pain. Look at me, I'm in prison. How can you love me and put me through all of this? And prison is a place where you can't really cry because you appear to be soft. And when you are soft, they take advantage of you because you are weak. And I, I didn't want to be weak because I was really afraid because they would sexually abuse you in prison. It's really creepy and crazy. So I hit my face on my, on my blanket and I cried. I really cried that night. And I felt really peaceful that night. I slept so well. And, and the next day I woke up and I, I went for a few visits. My parents would come and my mother would tell me this back then. She would say that, you know, the voice of God is the word of God. And if God speaks to you through the Bible, and which kind of was really absurd at that point, which was really illogical and not practical. I mm-hmm. mean, how can God speak to me through the Bible? That's that's stupid. And the next morning after I cried, I, I woke up and I read my Bible. At that night I was feeling so abandoned, so forsaken and so angry with God. And Randomly, just opening the Bible, I turned to this verse in Romans, which says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And and when when I read that word, I really started tearing, I was like, oh, God. It's like God speaking to me. I started crying, and I prayed, God, what is this? And in an audible voice, like how I'm speaking to you, God spoke to me. He said, I love you, my son. All this while you have chosen to chase the wrong things, now follow me and see how I use you. And that was my testimony, which happened 10 years ago. And I'm able to share with people right now. That was because I allowed God into my life. And if I had not allowed God into my life, This wouldn't have happened, and this is what I shared, and I want to share. Allow God into your life, because that is the beginning of your journey. The next point I want to share, being called to trust in Luke chapter 5 verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. At this point, I knew Jesus knew of the situation that they were in. I mean, I, I think he knew that they did not catch any fish that night. And I don't know about you all, how many of you have been fishing before? <laughs> I'm 27 years old, I've only been fishing once and I really gave up because after 8 hours, Like really, we were so excited about catching fish and me and my friends got great bulls and snacks and we set up the line and after 8 hours, I caught one little fish. (laughs) And I decided, okay, you know what, this is not... I didn't have the patience for it. But, you know, I could feel the disciples. I mean, fishing was a leisure for me. For the disciples, it was their livelihood. They had to fish and feed the family. And at that point, Jesus came onto the boat knowing that they had caught nothing throughout the night and yet still asking, asking them to let down the nets for the catch. I mean, if I, if I were Peter, you know, I, I would throw Jesus off the boat, I think. <laughs> but God spoke to me through this. You see, the world believes in facts. How the world works is this. They believe in a system of facts where it is to see the results and then to trust and then they would believe. I mean all the things we learn in school are based off someone who have come up with some theories which is tested and proven and then you know and, and then we believe. But what the Bible and Jesus teaches us is really different. For us to believe, for us to trust, and then to see. The funny thing I want to share another story with how Lisha I got to India. We were we were thinking about where to go for our honeymoon after we got married. And I told you, you know, I like to go to beaches like B E A C H E S. So my priority was Maldives. I thought it was really cool. And when we saw the price at that point both our accounts combined we had zero dollars so Maldives was totally out and then we came down we lowered our expectation to Boracay and it was pretty reasonable but Lisha didn't want to go to Boracay didn't want to go to the Philippines and then we went to Krabi and and we looked at Krabi and I really liked it and same Lisha didn't want to go she didn't want to go because people from her family has went before and finally, we settled to an island in Johor Bahru, in Malaysia. And somehow or other, we just didn't feel like, it was just okay, honeymoon. But then one day we spoke, and we were taking a bus back home, and we spoke, and we said, why not we go to India? And the moment when we spoke about India, we, we felt the Holy Spirit, and we felt it was approved of God, like God approves us to go to India. We were excited, and okay, let's go to India. So like a little child who just got his candy out of excitement, I went and immediately texted Pastor Myra. Say, said, Pastor Myra, we are coming to India. We want to come? And I gave her the dates with no money in my bank account. And she was really excited. And she had planned, she had something planned on the time where we were supposed to come. And later on, she replied me and said, you know what, son, I had actually this plan, but I'm going to postpone it so that you and your wife can come. So we, we kind of had an agreement on what we we're going to do and everything. And this was about May, June, about two months before we got married. And we had nothing, so we really thought, okay, let's have faith in God. Let's pull through, God will provide, blah, 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 blah. By the end of May, June, we had nothing. No money, no flights been booked, no hotels been booked, no visa has been booked. And if you, if you are a, like an organized traveler, what would you do? You would get your flights fixed, your accommodation, everything. So when I got my salary, and, and the worst part about this is at that time, we were going to get married, and we just got a house to stay. And the house really took up a lot of our expenses because it was really dirty, and we had to buy stuff for home, and it was really hard. So June ended, and July came and I was so hopeful that oh, God is going to provide for me in July because July 8th is my birthday and at the end of my birthday I'm going to get tickets and I'm going to go to India and I told and we prayed and we agreed and by the time my birthday ended nobody gave me anything. I only got like a cute four fingers burger from Lisha. Nobody got anything. <laughs> Nobody got me anything. And I was really sad. I said, why? And a few days later, somebody blessed Lisha and gave her about $1,000. And immediately, I thought, okay, let's go and get the tickets and let's go and get this booked. But in a way, the Holy Spirit really spoke to us and said, no, use this for your house. And I really thought it was the devil at the point of time because it was really out. But Lisha was so good. She had faith. She had so much of it and you know I couldn't really couldn't match it. So I was like, okay, we're gonna get the house and hoping that there would be enough money for us to book the tickets, but by the by the end of it everything was finished. And again it passed and we didn't have money. And again somebody blessed us a bit and same, it gone for other expenses and not for India. And time flight until it was like August fifteen, about thirteen to fifteen. <laughs> and we we had not booked our tickets, we had not booked our hotel and nothing the only thing I managed to book was Leisha's visa and which was stupid because the leash the, the the visa would cost about thirty to fifty bucks Singapore money. And I paid hundred and fifty dollars for it. I, I booked in and when I checked my bank statement because I had about hundred dollars left I booked the visa. When I checked my balance, it was like $0. And I was really wondering, how how come it cost so much? When I checked my bank statement, her visa was $150. And apparently, being smart, I booked a one-year visa for her, instead of the 30-days visa. So gone, my money was gone again. (laughs) And then, closer to her birthday, we still had nothing. We had no money, and it was really hard. I really wanted to text Pastor Myra to say, you know Pastor Myra, I think God doesn't want us to come there. We have no money, I'm sorry. But you know, Stephen would always say, you know, your word is your bond. and If you give the word, you know, you better do it. And he kind of couldn't. I was like, oh God. And about two days before our wedding, three days before our wedding, someone gave us another $1,000, which was just enough for us to get our tickets to go to India. And now that visa is set up, the tickets are set up, now we didn't have anywhere to stay. And we were crazy. We were crazy. And before that, the thing was, before that, you know, we, we were really close. You know, Ricky and Pravina were in town. And Ricky and Pravina were telling about something you did in Cambodia, about something you placed your deposit for a tuk tuk or something. Yeah. And and that kind of got us, oh, okay. You know, this, you know, they kind of stirred our faith a little bit. So we booked a hotel without paying for the hotel. <laughs> yeah. So we booked it, and, and we were praying. And on our wedding, at the end of it, we had absolutely enough to cover everything. And we were in India. Everything was paid for for us. It was because we chose to trust first. We chose to believe first. And this is how God works. And, and the thing about this, God gets excited when we put our trust in Him first. Just like, just like how David, not going to anyone, have never been to anyone, but yet when there was a time to fight, he stood up putting his trust on God alone first. And this is the lens of faith. And this is what excites God. And this is what I want to tell you guys. If, if you are in a situation which you feel is not really moving, The situation is not really moving, nothing is changing. Sometimes we have to change and we have to step forward and we have to move first because God will not be mocked. If we place our trust in Him, He's going to come true and come forward for us. And the third point I want to share from Luke chapter 5, verse 10, being called to follow. Now this is the part where we get really intimate with God. This is where ships get real, the saying, this is what God wanted from the beginning. He created man so that we could have a relationship with him. He wanted to be close to man, to have partnership with man and work with man until man decided to sin and then you know, everything was changed. This is the part where a lot of people stop. people tend to stop because it gets deeper with God. Now what does the Bible say about following Christ, what does it say about, says about being disciples of Christ? It is three things, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow him. Denying yourself, what does it mean? Completely surrendering your will towards God. Take up the cross, it is to pledge yourself willingly to the will of God and follow him, to take. To carry his burden and purpose and follow God to his directions upon your life. And this becomes hard. It really becomes hard because there's one enemy we face from time to time and that is not the devil but it is our flesh. Everything that we are completely goes against what God wants for us. And following him is really hard in that sense. But how can we then be his followers? And how can we how can we fulfil the will of God upon our lives? Is this and Catherine Kuman would say this and Stephen would share about we we do not need to be silver vessels nor golden vessels. God only need yielded vessels. And if you want to follow Christ and if you want to fulfil his will upon it, our lives, <clears throat> all we need to do is just deny ourselves and yield to the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the last point I wanna share is being called to preach. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20, it says, "'Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age.'" Uh, this this was something that God spoke to me while I had my third diarrhea in India. I was in the toilet and and you know I, I couldn't sleep that night before actually, so couldn't sleep and God was speaking to me the message and he was telling me what to preach and I, I sat down by the toilet bowl with my iPad there, typing and and he reminded me of the Great Commission. And the thing is all of us are a testimony, like like how I share every individually we have this testimony and it is of his own ministry like an individual gospel of Jesus Christ that we have and all, a lot of us are so familiar about spreading and preaching and teaching but it says make discipleship and that was one thing that I have missed out I think almost my entire life so fixed on preaching the word of God but what does discipleship mean and how is it that for us to be a good disciple. And when I was asking the Holy Spirit questions like this, he reminded me of that story of the fig tree, where Jesus would curse the fig tree because it was fruitless. And some factors, and I went to research about the fig tree a little bit, and there are certain factors which affects the production of fruits in a fig tree. There are a lot of external environments like the climate, the weather conditions, the gases around, the air and fig trees have a mature season and a time for pollination. And I was really confused. I was like, God, why are you comparing discipleship to a fig tree and about Jesus cursing a fig tree? And God spoke to me. And this was a very personal revelation. I just want to share. For a fig tree to bear fruit, for a fig tree to produce fruit, it, it had taken something from outside. From the environment outside, and something happens inside and it produces fruit. And I feel this is my personal opinion. I feel for us to be fruitful in discipleship, and Stephen have mentioned this before, and I shared this, is always be in a point where you are discipling somebody. I mean you are being discipled by somebody and at the same time discipling somebody. Where you are receiving something and it comes out has fruit to the person you disciple. Now uh, this was really it's really convicted me and Lisha when I shared with her because back in Singapore we we we, we, are, we really want to disciple people. It has been really hard for us because we have been trying to start a youth group for a year and every day nobody turns up. And we try to invite people and do whatever we can to have games, to have things that even I don't like to do, but in the end everybody just says, okay, and in the end somehow they don't turn up. <laughs> And and my question is this, I mean, we are all being discipled by someone, you know, Stephen is here as a mentor and teacher, but the thing is, how many of us really have a disciple to disciple? Like I mentioned, the greatest worry for me until today is, I left India just preaching. I never got a chance to stay and disciple somebody. And sometimes, and that's the thing sometimes because we fail the disciple after we preach it's like the seed we just falls on not good soil and the devil comes and takes it away and how many, how many of us and the thing God really asked me that night was this and how fruitful do you think you are if you don't disciple somebody and I cried, and I really cried in the toilet and I was really convicted and and, I, and me and Lisha, we want to do it, we want to come back, we want to find somebody and you don't care about how many, as long as there is one that we can share, preach and disciple, it is enough. These are the four things that I shared today. First, being called to believe. It is the beginning of our relationship, when we believe in Christ. Second, being called to trust. Believing is is just a thought, but I think trusting is more of an action, where the world teaches us to see, trust and believe, where the faith teaches us to believe, trust and then see. Thirdly, being called to follow. (laughs) It's how that we get to deny ourselves, surrender our will, take up the cross, and follow Him. And lastly, being called to preach. Not just share the good news, but to make disciples and to teach somebody. Yeah, that's it.